Hi, I'm Jacob Howland from Providence, Rhode Island. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio sweetheart, on the airways, it's the sound of young America. Maximum fun, maximum fun, maximum fun. This week on The Sound of Young America, Mark Oliver Everett of the band The Eels. They've just released a Greatest Hits collection as well as a collection of B-sides. Here's their first hit from 1996. It's called Novocaine for the Soul. Life is hard, and so am I. You better give me something so I don't die. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. My guest on the program, Mark Oliver Everett, better known as E, sometimes uh, the man called E, various uh, riffs on the letter E. Uh, He's uh, the front man and uh, sometimes the whole band of the band called The Eels. Uh, they've just released two career-spanning retrospectives. Uh, one is called Meet the Eels. It's a sort of greatest hits plus uh, plus a few other interesting things. And w- one is called Useless Trinkets. It's a combination of all the various miscellany uh, that has uh, been recorded by uh, Mark and the band over the past, uh, I guess it would be uh, almost 15 years now. Mark, welcome to the Sound of Young America. Thank you. Good to be Young and American. <laughs> Isn't it just? Yeah. It's a delight. Thank you for letting me be part of the young set. So you have, in the in the past year or so, uh, you've put together these compilations, you've uh, uh, released an autobiography, and you've just uh, premiered a BBC documentary about your father. Um, that's like, oh, that's a lot of self-reflection to do all at once. Yeah, tell me about it. How did how did that come about? I'm so sick of me. <laughs> it, I mean, it really serves a purpose in that sense because I've done nothing for the last couple of years except, you know, work on that film and write the book and put together these retrospective CDs and DVDs. And, um, and I'm not someone who likes to look back normally, so it um, hasn't been my favorite thing to do and but it's great now because now i'm ready to move on into the future it, it really yeah no more introspective period i'm done with it i'm ready to uh, look look outside of my little world now so should i can't cancel all of my plan to interview you for my radio show well you know yeah it, the, i've been through quite a, <laughs> quite a bit of this this year and i am pretty pretty uh burnt on it, but I'll try not to give you too many one-word answers. Did you decide that you wanted to do compilations, retrospectives, or was it something that your uh, label approached you about? 
Well, the label wanted to put out a best of a few years back. And uh, we just said, hey, wait, hold on a second. If, if you got to do this, let's let's uh, do it together and let's do it right. And, and that's why it ended up taking a little longer to come out. Because it's celebrating like 1996 to 2006, but it didn't come out till now, 2008. Because once I got involved, you know, I got... Like I kept coming up with new ideas how we could make it better. And, well, you know. Are you somebody who um, had spent time with your uh, with your back catalog, your 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 old recordings before, or was going back and and listening to stuff a, a new thing for you? Yeah, that's. I mean, the only time I ever have to listen to any of my old stuff is like if I'm getting ready to go out on a tour and I want to p- play an old song that I don't remember how to play and I have to learn it again or something. What was it like for you to 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 go back and and have to pick through? It's weird. It was weird. I just sat there and I typed up notes for each song. I just listened to everything one time through when I was done, and I typed up whatever my thoughts were as I listened to each thing. So, um, you can read my thoughts, and sometimes I just didn't have anything to say, <laughs> and other times, um, I, I was you know I, was, I think I was surprised by how pleased I was with a lot of it. But there, there's always moments where you kind of Ah, what was I thinking then? You know, but that's a good sign. I think it means you're growing as an artist, hopefully. Going over to Susan's house. sidewalk with a bullet in his forehead. In a final act of indignity, the paramedics take off all his clothes for the whole world to see while they put him in the bag. Meanwhile, an old couple argues inside the queen bee, the sick fluorescent light shimmering on their skin. Going over to Susan's house. Can you give me an example of a song on the CD that when when you heard it, it uh, it wasn't what you expected or it surprised you? I'm sort of pleasantly surprised by anything that I'm happy with. To be honest with you, I always feel like, <laughs> wow, that, that actually wasn't so bad. You know, it's it, it's interesting because like when you when you're working on this stuff in the studio, you hear it five billion times until it's done. Uh, you know, being mastered and everything, you have to listen to it over and over again, and then and then you just want to stay away from it. And then you go out and you start to play the song at concerts, and it starts to turn into a whole different thing. Usually we do them at concerts completely different than how we recorded them. And so by the time I went back and heard this stuff, it, it was so... Um, I'd just completely forgotten what it was originally like. So a lot of times you're surprised, like, oh, I've been singing that lyric wrong all these years. Did you really find yourself singing the singing your own lyrics in a different way? That's happened several times this year, yeah, where I somehow... it slowly morphs from night to night subtly until you're really singing a completely wrong lyric and I don't know it and then I, I would hear the original for the first time in 10 years or whatever and go oh, oops. You mentioned the the way that your uh, songs change uh, from the record to live performance. 
Um, I imagine that part of that has been about the way that uh, the Eels as an ensemble have changed so much over the history of the band. You started out recording under your own name or recording as E, yeah. um, and, and then you decided to form a band, the Eels. Why did you Why did you decide that uh, at first in, in the mid-90s? Well, I mean, it's more the other way around that um, I always wanted to evolve and change over the years so i didn't want to paint myself into the corner of being married to the same group of people all the time i think that's a mistake that a lot of bands make is that um you know and god bless them for staying together and you know i'm all happy i'm all for a happy marriage uh, but i think a lot of times after so many years you're really limited by the imaginations of whoever those people are you know, and there's rare exceptions like the Beatles or something where their imaginations were all so uh, exceptional that the same four people could keep making really interesting different music over the years. Even the Beatles had a, had, didn't have the longest career in the world as the well, Beatles. Well, that's right. I mean, if they had kept going, we probably would have learned the same thing, I think, that, that happens to a lot of bands. So I figured the easy way to get around that is to just keep changing up the environment I'm in. And, and surround myself with, with different people, and that keeps it constantly interesting for me. What do you get out of that? I mean, like, let's say, what did you get from um, uh, the first lineup of the Eels, the the band that, that started out as the Eels? What what were you trying to get out of that, and what did you get out of it? Well, at that time, I had never been the electric guitarist in a band before. You know, when I first... Um, when I signed my first record deal, when I was just working under the name of E, I had the only time I had ever performed live was back when I lived in Virginia and I was a drummer in bar bands. And so it wasn't until after my first record came out that they said, "Okay, you got to go on tour now." And they sent me out on tour, and I that was the first time I'd ever even been a front guy, uh, and that was just you know playing acoustic guitar and piano. And so after that, uh, being in the first incarnation of the Eels. I thought, okay, well, now my new challenge is I'm going to strap on an electric guitar and see what happens. Your first album as the Eels was uh, 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 reasonably commercially successful. Um, did that, uh, was that what you hoped for and expected, or did it surprise you? No, it was actually very successful by my standards uh, commercially, and I didn't really enjoy the experience. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I saw what happens when you have a successful record and it really kind of hated what what, what didn't you seeing. like about it you know i remember things like we'd be on tour and talking about the next town we're going to and i'd hear like guys in the band refer to the city as a market <laughs> and i'd say what we're going to do shopping at the market i didn't even get it at first and then um just you know everybody around me seemed really just like had their eye on the on the dollar sign bullseye, and it was just about having hits, and um, and I had all these other situations going on in my life that were kind of uh, profound and life changing that made me at the same time really notice how meaningless all that was, and so I just made a conscious decision to uh, ignore all that and not take the advice of, uh, that everyone was giving me and just try to become the best artist I could be. Do you ever find yourself being worried or guilty about the, I don't know how to describe it, the poppiness of something? Um, 
I, you know, I don't really think like that. I just sort of, I mean, I've always liked, I like like a good single, you know. I like a song that you would think of as a single, and I, I think I have a tendency to make some songs like that. Um, but, you know, I'm not thinking like what's going to get on the radio or something, especially in this day and age, like, you know, who knows, you know? <laughs> You had one big hit, uh, uh, Mr. E's Beautiful Blues, that was almost not on uh, the album with yeah. which it was uh, and it's just barely It's just barely on it anyway. It's not well, listed. So yeah. um, I, I imagine that, uh, I mean, I guess I could be wrong, but I imagine when the uh, people who decide, you know, what's a single in a video and that kind of thing heard it, they were like, oh, this is great. This is going to be this is going to work. Yeah. What was it? Uh, what was that like for you? Well, um, in that particular case, the album that it was on, Daisies of the Galaxy, had already been finished for like six months, and it was just sitting there, and the record company didn't know what to do with it. And that song came along, and they got all excited about it and said, "It's got to be on." basically acting like the album was never going to come out so i thought all right i'll try to cooperate and i i you know spent weeks resequencing the album so that was on it but it just no matter what i did it ruined the sequence and i was really convinced that the album was the way it should be so i finally decided well i'll just tack it on the end like after 10 seconds of silence and at the last minute I called the mastering lab myself and had them add an additional 10 seconds and there's actually 20 seconds of silence <laughs> separating it from from what I think is the proper ending of the album and then this bonus track comes on which isn't I'm not a big fan of the whole bonus track thing but I was you know I had a gun to my head I didn't know what else to do It's funny to think that you were involved in like an elaborate subterfuge to get the extra 10 seconds oh. in addition to the previous 10 seconds. There's stories like that on every album. <laughs> well, really? I want to hear yeah, one. Yeah, there's always something. Tell me about something that's else. How, that I mean, over like the that. years, that's just how I got more and more hands-on with everything. I slowly have come to understand the entire process from beginning to end because you start to figure out like, oh, I can just call the mastering lab myself, you know? <laughs> what, what other things about uh, about the process of the business of making records did, did you learn along the way that you didn't know when you were... At the well, mastering, you know, this is going to be too technical and boring, but like, I think most, the average uh, CD listener doesn't have any idea what mastering actually is and it's something that I didn't... Uh, have a clue about when I first started making records and I 
over the years learned that I was doing it all wrong, and, and I now consider myself an expert. Really? Yeah. An expert. Yep. Well, what's the di- what's the difference? They I call mean, me, is there a way is there a way to describe what what the difference is for the? They average call listener? me eagle ears as I I hear things no one else can hear. I've heard uh, a lot of controversy about the mastering of major label records. Um, that they are uh, over-compressed, which is to say made to be as loud as they possibly can be, which at the expense of reducing the dynamics, the difference between the loud parts and the soft parts. That's what's particularly tricky about some of my records is they're so dynamic as far as loud and soft goes, and um, that makes it really complicated. That's why it usually takes a lot longer to master my records than it should. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm talking with Mark Oliver Everett of the band The Eels. We'll have more with Mark when we return on The Sound of Young America. Production of The Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. Hey, it's your old radio pal, Jesse. I just got back from taping a live show at Sketchfest NYC in New York, and I met a whole pile of listeners, both among the audiences and among the performers. I found there were kind of two groups, the ones who loved the sound of Young America and the ones who loved the sound of Young America but loved Jordan Jesse Go even more. Most of the folks in the former camp, the non-Jordan Jesse Go listeners, just hadn't tuned in to Jordan Jesse Go yet. If that's you, why not fire up your iTunes and give Jordan Jesse Go a shot? It's freewheeling talk from me and former Sound of Young America co-host and current Fuel TV correspondent Jordan Morris. Lately, we've been talking a lot about donks. That's a kind of miniature donkey. Anyway, you can always find the show by clicking on listen at MaximumFun.org, or you can just type Jordan Jesse Go into your iTunes. Give it a shot. I think you might like it. Let's return to my interview with Mark Oliver Everett, better known as E, from the band The Eels. What's your favorite part of uh, the being a musician process? Is it the writing, the recording, the, the, the performing? The groupies, yeah. excellent. And the drugs. Uh-huh. Which yeah. drugs particularly? I like them all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So do I. You take some in the morning to get up. You wouldn't believe how much PCP sleep. I've taken today. Yeah. It is amazing. I could kill a gorilla. All right. In fact, I did kill a gorilla this morning. Whoa, I was wondering what that smell was. <laughs> yeah, that's rotting gorilla. What can mm. I say? Mm. I don't have a gorilla-sized fridge, you mm. know? Who does? Yeah, well, a gorilla hunter, <laughs> I'm guessing. Um, no, but in, in all seriousness, like uh, you, ha- you have this career where y- you can operate completely self-sufficiently and only on record if you wanted to. Um, or you can go out and be performing and rocking out on the guitar with a big band. And in fact, in some cases, you've toured with uh, relatively large bands who yeah. are multi-instrumentalists and thus yeah. create an even larger band in, in practice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes we have 15 or 20 or 25 instruments on stage. Why not? You know, why not? Which is your favorite place to be? Or do they have, different, do they have sort of different pleasures? I definitely like making records the most. That's my favorite thing to do. It's it's um going on tour is a completely different thing and it's it's a lot more like work and it's not as creative. I try to make it as creative as possible. I try to treat the shows like an album of their own and and irregardless of what album has just come out, just try to make that its own thing. 
and make it as interesting as possible. But there's nothing like, for me, like, you know, being in the basement recording something that you go to bed at night and feel like, oh, there's something there that wasn't there yesterday. Do you know what it's like to fall on the floor? Cry your guts out till you got no more. Hey, man, now you're really living. Have you ever made love to a beautiful girl? Made you feel like it's not such a bad world. Hey, man, now you're really living. Now you're really giving everything. And you're really getting all you can. Now you're really living what this life is all about. Well, I just saw the sunrise over the hill. Never used to give me much of a thrill. But hey, man. Someone that you're never gonna get to touch Hey man, now you're really living Have you ever sat down in the fresh cut grass And thought about the moment and when it will pass Hey man, now you're really living Now you're really giving everything And you're really getting all you can Now you're really living what this life is all about Do you record um, uh, and and write the way that some people do, where where it's just a, a certain portion of your day, or is it a, a matter of uh, uh, inspiration? I can do both of those. Sometimes uh, you say, "All right, ten o'clock in the morning, I'm." going to go downstairs and sit there with an instrument and see what happens. And that usually works out okay. And then the other thing happens where you're just trying to live your life and, you know, watching TV or something. And, oh, my God, I'm the song, you know. <laughs> and that's how, that's how you wrote the new theme song to Judge Judy? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you give me a, a, an example of a song that that just kind of where something hit you and you can't? Uh... Well, okay, and, and there's, it doesn't make any sense. But once I was watching a, there's a song on the last blinking on the last Eels album, Blinking Lights, called uh, "If You See Natalie," and I was watching a uh, documentary about Thomas Jefferson on TV, uh, and uh, it just. The song struck me, but the song has absolutely nothing to do with Thomas Jefferson or the film I was watching, and uh, I don't know why, but it, it, you know, just completely hit me during that. If you see Natalie, send along this message. I know that you've been through an awful lot of late. Do you have any feeling as to what the connection was? No. <laughs> can't, I, it can't be explained. Do you think they are connected? Do you think it would have? Yeah. Do you think the song would have hit I, you if I, you had been watching a documentary I, about John Adams? I, uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that something, you know, some combination of emotions or something must have been at work subconsciously or something with me while I was watching it or something. But I don't know. And see what's in front of you. Friends and fortune tellers, they all say you're gonna die If you don't 
brighten up You know you gotta try Girl Steady the trembling hand That's what you do This collection of rarities is really remarkable, and it, and it, and it makes you makes one realize how how much you've recorded that hasn't been on the albums. Um, did you have uh, did you have like favorite favorite babies that you that you wanted to get out there? Things that didn't fit on a record, but you really loved. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that I found when I was going, writing the notes and listening to the songs that are on the Useless Trinkets collection of B sides and odds and ends soundtrack songs and unreleased stuff was that um you know i i, I almost hesitate to use the term b-side because it makes it sound like it's on the b list and i think maybe that's because often b-sides are something that's like the leftovers that weren't good enough to get on the album but in my case i think some of my best songs don't end up on the albums because i'm always trying to do something that's sort of thematic with the album musically and or lyrically and sometimes I have what I think is one of my best songs, but it just doesn't fit in thematically, either musically or lyrically. So that's why it gets left off. And it's uh, so sometimes the B sides are really, you know, A sides. I think. But what was one of the ones that really that struck you when you were putting it together? Bird Girl on a cell phone. I think that is a, um, an underrated tune. That was one that you know just didn't quite fit into that album. She has eyes to What did you like about it? The instrumentation and just how unusual it is. songs are so full of such a breadth of different kinds of sounds i mean they're they're much they're they're much beyond the um uh much beyond the basic rock and roll palette of uh guitar bass and drums although they're you know those are huge parts of it um do you ever hear a sound uh, from an instrument or uh from a sample or something like that and uh and think and that's a, a spur to a creation you know, I haven't really met an instrument I didn't like, <laughs> with the possible exception of the soprano saxophone. <laughs> but someday I'm hoping to prove myself wrong on that one. Are you still, is it just because you're not very good at playing the soprano saxophone? No, I just still haven't got into Kenny G, but it's <laughs> it, it still could happen, there's still time. I'm getting older.
getting down on the hottest ground. I take your mother's heart. You all can't stop me now. Listen to me now. I'm lasting 20 rounds. And if you want me, then come and get me now. Easy with me now. We'll break it, break it down. I know you dig the way I su su switch my style. People sing around. People gather around. The people jump around. Get your freak on. Get your freak on. Have there been things that, as you've gotten older, that you've uh, that you've gotten into that you never, as a younger person, would have thought you would have? Um, well, that is the thing about getting old. You know, they say your horizons slowly broaden. You know, um, I don't know though. I, I think I'm kind of I'm kind of kind of stuck to the stuff that I always liked, pretty much. How do you feel your music has changed now that you're recording as a uh, uh, 40-something-year-old guy as opposed to uh, you know 20-something-year-old guy? I think it's really important to try to grow old gracefully. And you know, I think someone who really redeemed his career by doing that was Bob Dylan. when he, he was sort of making these albums in the 80s that no one was paying attention to, and then he suddenly came out with this amazing album about how... How, how much it sucks to grow old, basically, and it was it was really when you th it sounds like an easy idea now that it's been done, but at the time no one had really done that. Nobody had just owned up to yep, I'm getting old and things aren't looking too good right now, and that was just genius. I thought you know and I wish more people uh, would do that. It's easier from for some acts than others to grow old gracefully, like Tom Waits. You know, he, it just sort of suits his personality to, that he's getting older doesn't really matter, you know. Whereas the Rolling Stones, it looks a little silly on, you know. Are there new themes that uh, are out in front of you that you're uh, that you're interested in pursuing? Yeah, I mean, countless. I, you know, that's the worst thing about growing old is you're running out of more and more time to, so you'll never have enough time to do all the things I want to do. Well, yeah, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on The Sound of Young America. It was a pleasure to have you. And it's a little less time I have to make one of those albums I wanted to make. No, that's what my purpose was in bringing you in here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. The two new Eels compilations are the greatest hits collection, Meet the Eels, which includes a video collection, and Useless Trinkets, which is two CDs plus a DVD of the band's 2006 performance at Lollapalooza. I'm gonna tell you what you need to hear And I'm a little too late by three or four years And it may not make much sense now that we are apart but I'm going to stop pretending that I didn't break your heart. You see, I never thought enough of myself to realize that losing me could mean something like the tears in your I want to tell you I'm sorry And it's too late to start But I'm going to stop
That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I have been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself. Interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. Please find us online at MaximumFun.org. Guess what kind of cool stuff you can do there. Number one, you can look at our awesome blog. Number two, you can visit our awesome discussion forums. Number three, you can download any of our past programs. Number four, um... You can stream any of our past programs. Number five, you can see a list of radio stations we're on. Number six, you can laugh at the fact that I designed my website in 1999. If you have thoughts about the show or the website, jesse at maximumfun.org is my email address. Uh, We'll see you next time on The Sound of Young America. (laughs) 